Welcome to Canine Nation. It's Sunday, November 11th, 2018. This is episode 110. Hello, this is Eric Brad. And before we get started with this week's podcast, I wanted to send out a big thank you to everyone who subscribes, downloads, and listens to the podcast, and to let you know that we've set up a new email account, talk2 at caninenation.ca. That's talk and the number 2 at caninenation.ca. We'd love to hear from you if you want to send along any stories or ideas or thoughts about the podcast. You can send that along to us, and we appreciate the feedback. You know, my wife and I have been together for 35 years, and most of that time we've had no dogs. Well, I should probably say that differently. We've had dogs for most of that time, but most of that time we said no to our dogs quite a bit. We were traditional trainers. We had both been taught how to use compulsion training. And so with our very first dogs, most of the training time that we spent with them was really spent following them around and saying no and trying to stop them from doing things that annoyed us. Oh, sure, we went to obedience classes and we did teach them basic manners in that more formal setting. But around the house, a lot of it was really just us saying, don't do that. And once we'd gone through that process for a couple of years, We had dogs that really wouldn't get into much trouble, and we thought that those were good dogs. But about 20 years ago, we changed the way we thought about dogs. We discovered more modern reinforcement-based training methods, and we found that there was an easier way to get our dogs to live with us the way we wanted our dogs to live with us, and we didn't have to spend a lot of time and energy following them around and saying no. But really, the change for us was more about our definition of what a good dog might be. Back in those old days, to us, a good dog was one that didn't misbehave. But now, after we've learned about positive training, for us, a good dog is a dog that wants to learn and wants to cooperate and wants to fit in with us and build our lives together. And I wanted to take a look at the difference between how we used to be with our dogs and how we are now, and how it's changed what we believe it means to say that a dog is a good dog. This is my essay, The Good Dog. The dog sat calmly by her owner's side as he chatted with a friend. It was a bright, sunny day, and summer sounds filled the air. She was a black Labrador retriever, and she stared off into the distance, occasionally sniffing the air. She did not look at her owner. She did not look at her owner's friend. A mother with two children, not more than five or six years of age, came over. Without permission, the children squealed with delight and began petting the dog with excited hands, giggling all the while. The dog with lowered head, tolerated this unexpected attention. As they left, the woman was heard to say, 
What a good dog. What a good dog. A dog that quietly endured her children. A dog that did not pull against the leash to go and sniff these children. No investigation of the owner's friend. No barking at the strangers approaching. Quiet acceptance of anything and everything that happened around her. And when it was time to leave, she quietly plodded along next to her owner on a loose leash. What a good dog. You know, I'm fascinated by the expectations of people regarding dogs and how we want to live with them. Many families have an idealized view of what life with their dog will be like. They may take a fancy to this or that breed for its looks or advertised personality. Perhaps they want a dog like the one they saw on their favorite TV program or in that movie they found so touching. Frankly, such romanticized versions of dogs do not paint an accurate picture. When was the last time you saw George Clooney or Sigourney Weaver bending to scoop up dog poop in a movie that you enjoyed? Dogs have daily needs that go beyond simply the need for food, water, and a place to do their business. Different breeds will have different requirements for activity and mental stimulation, as well as genetic tendencies to display certain behaviors. For example, herding breeds like border collies will need lots of exercise and activity, while guarding breeds may require an outlet for their bite instincts and regular mental stimulation. Some breeds may also have special health needs that must be tended to on a regular basis. New owners who choose a dog because of looks or what they've seen in movies and TV are not necessarily being realistic. These owners can easily become frustrated, overwhelmed, or worse when their expectations are not met. What starts as a vision of a well-behaved pet companion that is pleasing to the eye turns into a struggle to contain the chaos the addition of a dog can bring. Homes that were hoping to add that regal collie or that adorable little chihuahua may find themselves more angry than content that their new dog can't just behave because that's what they expected. There are lots of reasons that people get dogs. Some people think they are just being practical. Some families decide to get a dog as a playmate for their children. Other homes get a dog to guard the house or to help them feel safe. Still others get their dogs to go running with them or help them increase their physical activity. While dogs can fill all of those requirements very well, they don't actually arrive at our door knowing what their job is supposed to be. Dogs also provide a wonderful conduit into various social activities. Walking a dog at the park is likely to get you at least one conversation each week, and probably more if you are a regular attendee at a dog park for off-leash dogs. Dog sports and organized dog activities provide additional social opportunities. Dog agility, obedience, trick training, scent detection, lure coursing, and many other organized dog sports can provide owners with social time with like-minded people while giving their dog some much-needed activity. Getting a dog to address something in your life isn't necessarily a bad thing but new owners should be prepared for the reality of owning a dog. Having a dog might improve your social life or make your kids happy, but it isn't going to come without its cost in time, energy, and money. The sad truth is that there may be unexpected difficulties, and these keep the dog trainers in business. If you ask any local dog trainer what their days consist of, 
Most will tell you that they are solving one problem or another for dog owners who have called on them for help. Most of the clients dog trainers deal with have found that owning a dog is different and perhaps more complicated than they expected it to be. It might be that they expected a docile and low-maintenance companion or a happy, focused dog to play their favorite dog sport with friends. Whatever the case, the actual reality has turned out to be something for which they just weren't prepared. Life with their new dog turns out to be picking up one chewed valuable after another in between cleaning up accidents the dog has had in various places around the house. Walks are a struggle as they are pulled from bush to patch of grass along the way. On those occasions that they decide to trust their dog off-leash, getting them to come back becomes part seduction, part pleading, and a whole lot of exasperation as they call, Fluffy! Fluffy, come! in various tones of voice, sometimes offering a cookie or treat that they actually may or may not have. What these owners find is that they would like to have a dog. They just want the dog that they imagined they would have. There are ways to fix almost any dog behavior problem that owners might have. There are tools and techniques, collars and classes, people and promises out there to help. Most often, it is about getting rid of some unwanted behavior in the dog. Stop jumping up. Stop pulling on the leash. Stop barking at strangers. Stop digging in the garden. And many other problems. There are books and articles and web pages out there full of ways to stop dogs from doing almost anything that you might find annoying. There's only one issue I have with all of this. When you're finished stopping all of these unwanted behaviors, well... What's left for them to do? It must seem to a young, untrained dog in some households that they can do nothing right. Each time they decide to investigate or try something out, they are scolded with a loud, No! and moved away. If that sounds annoying or scary, well, that's because it's supposed to be. The whole concept behind many of these quick-and-easy solutions to bad behavior is that the dog needs to stop doing that thing or else. And it's that very real threat that, or else, carries with it that will make the dog think twice the next time they consider doing that behavior. But here's a question. Which behavior do we mean when we correct a dog? Oh, we know which behavior we mean, but does the dog understand us clearly? The slightest error in timing, and we could be telling our dog that we don't want them to be sitting down. Instead of telling them we don't want them to be sniffing the plant that they were investigating a few seconds before, it can be even worse if we come home after work and decide to scold them because we found the garbage had been strewn all over the kitchen. We think we are scolding them about the garbage, but the dog only knows that you came into the house and started yelling. Perhaps they think there's something wrong with the way that they greeted you. If you scold a dog enough times, and your timing is just bad enough, you end up with a dog who is reluctant to do anything unless they are absolutely certain they will not be scolded for it. A dog that will sit patiently while you chat with a friend. A dog that will not bark at approaching strangers. A dog that will tolerate being petted, poked, prodded, and even pulled at without reacting. A dog that doesn't pull on their leash. A dog that does all of these things and more, not because they want to, 
but because they want to avoid the unpleasantness that they have come to expect as the alternative. Fortunately, there is more than one way to get a good dog. Using punishments, scolding, and corrections can get you the kind of dog you may want. But modern training science has shown that you can teach a dog to sit quietly because they want to do that, because they get rewarded for sitting quietly. You can train a dog to walk with you without pulling and reward them for it. You can teach a dog to come back to you when called because it is a rewarding experience. What stands between these two different approaches to getting a good dog is mostly expectations. There are those who would have you believe that your dog wants to be difficult and that they have to be corrected and scolded until they become the dog you want them to be. Other trainers will tell you that there are ways to teach dogs to do all kinds of things we want them to do so that they don't have an opportunity to do the things that we find annoying and upsetting. We need to redefine what we believe a good dog means. The traditional view that dogs should remain quietly out of our way unless we want them to do something is outdated, and I think it undervalues what our dogs are capable of. If, instead, we start to think of a good dog in terms of what they can be taught and how much they can value cooperating with us in our lives together, so much more becomes possible for both us and our dogs. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We have over 100 episodes available both at the caninenation.ca website and also available through iTunes and other podcast directories. You can also find Canine Nation articles at the lifeisahuman.com website or follow the links under writing at caninenation.ca. There are some great podcasts out there about dogs, behavior, and training. I'd like to share two of my favorites with you. Dog Talk with Nick Benger is a weekly podcast out of the UK. Nick interviews some of the best and brightest trainers in the world. He gives you a look not just at training concepts and techniques, but also some great insight into the person he's talking with. Lots of great information and some wonderful stories from Nick's guests. You can find Nick's podcast on iTunes and all of the major podcast directories, or you can check out his website at nickbenger.com. That's N-I-C-K-B-E-N-G-E-R dot com. The Animal Training Academy podcast with Ryan Cartledge is another great interview podcast from New Zealand. Ryan's guests are from many areas of the training world, not just dogs. Ryan has interviewed horse trainers, behavioral scientists, wild animal trainers working with zoos, and lots and lots of great dog people as well. Ryan's podcast is also available at iTunes and the best podcast directories. You can find Ryan's website at animaltrainingacademy.com. So head to your favorite podcast listening app and check these out. Canine Nation is also on Facebook. You can find our Canine Nation page where we post information about the latest articles, podcasts, and news about Canine Nation events. We also have a discussion group the Canine Nation Forum. It's a place to discuss the podcast, the Canine Nation essays, life with dogs, and training our dogs, or just to share some information we found around the Internet. Thank you for listening. I'd appreciate it if you'd share this with the dog people in your life.
I guess that's all for now. Until next time, have fun with your dogs. 